love, kindness, human connection. These are some of the things we talk about on the Danny Painter Show. It's a thing. This show is intended for a more mature audience. We might sometimes say bad words. So, on a Zoom with me, if you are not familiar with the face that is next to me, his name is Mr. Herman Mashaba. He was the Joburg mayor. We all know him. He has been in politics for as long as I can remember. But there is a story that this man told in a recent meeting that I had with him that I had to, I had to bring him on the show. And the backstory that you have, Mr. Mashaba, your business life, your life, it's so so full and you've lived um and i can't wait to hear about it but welcome to my zoom thank you for joining me thank you so much uh, for the opportunity and it was lovely meeting you a few weeks ago it was uh you know people like yourselves and that community really inspired me uh people to really come out uh on that cold saturday you remember it was cold and uh, and it really gave me the inspiration and hope that South Africans have not given up on our country because one of my biggest fears as a South African is South Africans giving up on our country, you know, thinking that the politicians are the solution. That is why we ended up with more people not going out to exercise that democratic right to remove this criminal enterprise called ANC. Because if you can imagine the 18.6 million people, if they had gone out to vote, would not really be sitting with this criminal government that's in power today. So we're going to talk about this because I know a lot of elder millennials have not registered and have never voted. But we will talk about this because I know this that you're very passionate about it. But before we get into that, I want to know about you because you weren't always in politics. You don't come from a very affluent background. You have really worked. You've, you, you're a self-made man. What, where did you come from? Who is Prima Mashaba back then? <laughs> well, Herman... Now, and I'll take it back uh, to 26th of August, 1959. Wow. Uh, so just last week, I attended uh, 62. So I'm not a young man. I'm probably the uh, same age as your dad or something. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not a young man, 62 years. But the thing is, what's interesting about the 62 years is that I vividly remember doing, uh, when I was 22 years old, getting married because, I mean, in a few months' time, I'll be celebrating 40 years of my marriage. And honestly, the other day I was, uh, <laughs> the other day I was uh, 22 years young man. I was born and raised uh, in a small village called Haramuti next in Amanskral. I don't know if people know Babelech industrial area, but obviously I was born before uh, the establishment of that uh, industrial area in a village with no water, no running, no no electricity, no water. Those things were totally foreign uh, to me. Uh, and so and when I woke up to this world, when you start seeing yourself as a human being, you're what, five, six? And then all of a sudden, I'm in a child-headed household with my sister in charge, the sister who's uh, 13 years my senior, and uh, two other the sisters. Where's my mother and father? I'm told your father died when you were two years old. And then where's my mother? Your mother is a domestic worker working in, in Johannesburg living in um, 
families uh, home so we you know every like two years move from one house to the other because my father unfortunately died before building my mother a house i don't know for whatever reason he kept my father kept making babies but not <laughs> focus on on building my mother a house so. sounds, sounds like a south african man to me mr shaba i hate to say that <laughs> so you know most part of my life uh, of, of my youth actually brought up moving from one house to the other depending on the availability on, of one of the family members um and uh, yeah um went to school in in that village from uh, I started school in 1966 sub a you know sub a those days in in a church <laughs> Wow. Yeah, our, we must have A and sub B we used to go in, in churches in the in that community. Uh, so and then you only because the primary school was a small place it only accommodated uh, pupils from uh, standard one up to standard six. And then from from one up to metric um I went to Temba which is a township on the other side of uh, the river um that's where at Temba high school that's where I did my high school studies from form 1 in 1974 until I completed my metric in 1978 1979 went to University of the North Tafloo can imagine going all the way to um to Petersburg and, and so forth using the train those days those days at least the trains uh, were still functional you know people don't understand in fact but especially my kids when i tell them this they think i'm crazy because yeah. uh, you know uh, i took them to uh, to uh, to uh, to um, yeah, to school everything do it there for them including my daughter who studied in the in the in the states we take her to go and register you know for me um from from one i went to register myself wow <laughs> the last wow. time i can't remember um um i don't know who took me to sub a perhaps my obviously i was six years of age so i don't know who took me to start sub a but obviously from from one on with, which was in timber where you used to pass i went to register myself uh wow. i went to re- i went to register myself at the university first time to go to petersburg <laughs> using my own money <laughs> <laughs> and not that my mother was seriously responsible I mean, she did not really have the, the the resources you know i remember taking a train from amanskara station leaving amanskara at 10 to 10 at night you travel throughout the night you arrive in petersburg at 5 in the morning you wait and then i was told then you wait for buses to go to moria um coming at 9 um and you take a bus uh, to to uh, to develop then you uh, then you get off walk to university 20 minutes or to the university register and then uh, go back wait for the bus back to uh, to, uh, to, uh, to petersburg station take a night train arrive back uh, in 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 uh, in, uh, in uh, in the following morning so you can imagine uh, doing all this and then okay got registered went to university second year of my studies uh, one morning the university was surrounded by the army we were given 6 hours to leave and that for me was the, uh, the defining moment of my life because um, 
my grandfather and my uh, had really made it uh, clear to me that um, the only way I'm going to to liberate myself and my family and my mother, you know, I was as much as we never really had our physical home, um, uh, but we had a family structure. My mother and my sisters really, I really feel fortunate that I was brought up in a normal family, loving family, uh, as much as we did not really have the physical resources, but uh, there was love, there was unity, you know, and and I've always known that the only way I'm going to liberate myself was through education. And all of a sudden, apartheid government uh, messed up this in the second year of my studies and I wanted to leave the country. Young black men, very angry, wow. as said, no. I must go to Zambia. Let me get the Russians also to go and train me how to use an AK-47, come back and cause havoc in the country. But you know what? As a God-fearing and loving person, God has always honestly changed my life. Because you'll see as we talk how my life is always taking different turns. Because I wanted to to to, to study, and um, the apartheid government made it impossible for me to complete my university studies. Then I ended up uh, working for the 30 months in my life. Two companies uh, worked for Spy as a dis- as a dispatch clerk in the in the warehouse for seven months, and I worked for Motani Industries uh, for 23 months. And when I was in Motani, that's when I turned 22. And I said to Herman, you are getting old, you are losing, the, you are missing out on time. You've got to do something, you've got to succeed, and you're not going to follow the same pattern as your everybody else. Uh, your grandfather said you've got to succeed. And the only, you, uh, now it's no longer possible for you to go and uh, study. Mm-hmm. You've got to go into business. And I realized I must go into business, but now the losses, I can't go into business. Yeah. And I, that's when I then said, no, always. You know what? I'm not going to let other people determine my life to that level. I said, no, I'm going to go into business anyway. And you can imagine now you've got the laws that uh, prevents you from going to business. I don't come from a business uh, background. background. Yeah, but uh, saved while I was working, I saved. And I decided I was going to become a commission sales rep. I'm going to become my own boss in life. I'm not going to let someone else uh, control my life. So I need. So I started saving to buy the car. But before, as soon as I had enough money to buy the car, I decided let me stabilize my life. Um, I must save myself from myself because saving myself from myself, uh, I grew up being a very naughty boy. You grew up without parents. <laughs> There's a reason I took a decision to get married and um, really proposed to my. Uh, a wife who in few months time will be celebrating for eight years of our marriage and uh, she was 20 i was 22 we got married two years two months later bought a car two months later resigned everything else is history wow <laughs> you really don't do anything by half measures hey like nothing it's it's full in all the like it's all in or nothing with you i feel like and i feel like you've carried this through your whole life all well, in or 
You know what, my grandfather, you know, on, the, on the day I was born, I, I, I will see how I can get you a copy of my book called Black Like You. It's an autobiography I wrote with Isabella Morris. That book captures a little bit of my life. And and, uh, and two, three years later, I wrote another book called Capitalist Crusader because I mm-hmm. uh I share with South Africans how I've used the capitalist system to give me the freedom of I'm enjoying today. And there's a big project, the bigger project that uh, that is now going deep into uh, into research. So there'll be a big project, uh, yeah, hopefully in a year, 18 months time, that is going to really tell the story of this man and including the role that my grandfather played. Because my grandfather, on the day I was born, I don't know how come he happened to have been home because my bra- grandfather was a... Uh, security guy uh, got uh, working as um, you know, for the Harankua municipality at uh, the gate of the municipality the one uh, letting people in and out yeah. we used to call them machingilani i don't know if you would no. <laughs> yeah so security guys so, and i don't think my grandfather had been uh, in school but on the day i was born he happened to have been home i believe and on that particular day, 26th of August, 1959, the entire village uh, um, knew that Hyman um, was born. He called me Hyman, <laughs> and 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 informed everyone. I believe went from house to house uh, to tell everyone about uh, the birth of uh, this uh, this this boy. So I grew up with this feeling that my grandfather was just too much on me. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I used to feel embarrassed because that's why the later on in my life um, I changed this name. As much as even Herman wasn't my official name in, in the papers, uh, uh, yeah. So, it, it, but the entire community, if you go to Karamozi today, people call me Hyman, and it's not my official name. But I then decided as I was going, I think when I was 14, 15, I changed it from Hyman to Herman, and Herman at least was easier because this Hyman was just too overwhelming on me because I knew what it actually meant because yeah. my grandfather told the entire community that this is uh, this is one man who's going to change uh, uh, the the, the world. <laughs> Honestly, that's a <laughs> he was not wrong. He was he was right. Look, look what you've done for the world. You have changed the world and you are still busy changing the world. Even though you call yourself old, you're not old because my mother is the same age as you. And if we call her old, she will come for us. You are not old, you are young. But he was right. You have been this person. And I was sitting here listening to you and I was thinking, I wonder if you realize that you are Herman Mashaba. Like, we all talk about you and you are this amazing human being and everyone wants a piece of you. Do you ever sit back and go, I'm that person that everyone's talking about? Do you ever have those moments? Yeah, well, you know what, Elliot, two, uh, five minutes before I linked in with you, someone sent me a, a, a clip of um, a Uber driver. Yes, last night, uh, one of my friends used an Uber and um, recorded the discussion with this Uber driver. It's interesting if you get an opportunity going to my uh, Twitter account, how this guy from Uber... Um, uh, uh, it's talking about me. He doesn't know <laughs> me. He knows the name, but 
he's talking about uh, the, the three years of my mayoralty on the impact that I made them on South Africans, that I, I gave them hope you of did. taking back uh, this country uh, from uh, this criminal syndicates. And, and these are some of the things that people don't realize um, there's absolutely nothing difficult. When I started business as a trader, discovered an opportunity in 1983, selling products from the boot of my car. You know, you can imagine in 1983, uh, uh, when I discovered uh, cosmetics industry opportunity, working for a company in Malvern East um, on a commission basis, um, and I sold for them for 19 months. In the 19 months, I was the top salesman. And uh, then felt, you know what? I felt vulnerable at the time. I mean, earning three and a half, four thousand rents a month was a lot of money. I mean, those days I was the top salesman for this company in just 19 months. But I still felt vulnerable. I said, hey, man, you know, you know, when, like I said earlier on, when my grandfather was putting all these demands on me uh, as I was growing up, I used to feel it was being unfair to me, you know. But as I'm growing up, um, yeah, his wisdom keeps coming back to me every, every single, single day. Uh, and he said, uh, you know, you're vulnerable because this um, man can one day just decide to get rid of you yeah. as a salesman. And all like, just like that, he says, no, it's one thing my grandfather taught me to always make sure that I'm in charge of my own life. I must never let my life be controlled by someone else. That's when I felt vulnerable. I said, yes, I'm making good money. My life was changing positively, but I was not in charge. And I said, how do I get in charge? I said, I must make these products myself because black women out there are ready to be pimped. It's an industry that's going to be there forever. (laughs) (laughs) And then, but I did not have the technical know-how. I was a trader. You know, can imagine now you can ask your mom, 1984 to approach a white person, Africana for that matter, uh, to say, can we go into business? I said to Johan Krill, Johan Krill was the production manager for this company. I approached him to say, Johan, you can make this stuff, you know, I can sell it. I was earning, Johan was earning 1,006 as a white person uh, those days, which was a lot of money for that. And I was earning more than double on commission basis. So I said, Johan, you can make this stuff. Black people are ready to be pimped. Let's go and uh, make money for ourselves. And uh, the thing is, you know what? Approaching and having a discussion between black and white in 1984, like that would be tantamount to treason. Yes. I ran the, I ran the risk of, uh, let's say if Johan uh, wasn't interested and reported me to the owner. <laughs> you know, the, what are the consequences? But I'm, I'm one person always looking at the positive side of life. The thing is that my f- sense is that I said, if I don't try, if I don't really make an attempt, my life will remain the same and go worse. That's why I'm always proactive. I said, I'm, I felt myself, you know what? I've got absolutely nothing to lose. Let me try this guy. I looked at the positive side of it and approached Johan Grill and Johan, he had an opportunity. Johan was ready. Now can imagine if I was someone who feared uh, to take a risk. I would not have approached him, being scared that uh, Johan, as a white person, Africana, might really be yeah, against me and uh, report me to the owners. But it does, I looked at the positive life and uh, Johan accepted and he says, but uh, you're heaven, I, I don't have the money. I said, leave that to me. 
approached a uh, prominent business guy in Harangu, in Mabopane, Walter Dube. Um, we approached him to say, Mr. Dube, black women are ready to be pimped. I, I, I showed him how I was doing all over the country. I knew salons, I knew people in the industry. I said, I've got a white, this white guy, fantastic guy. This is the man who can make the products. Can you guys uh, give us the funding? We'll we'll print money. In fact, I remember saying to <laughs> As, as I remember saying to you, Mr. Duke, I said, I didn't know him, introduced to him by, uh, by his wife, who had a salon, Walter Dube had a small shopping center and his wife had a salon in there. So requested the wife to introduce us to Walter. When I approached him, I said, Mr. Dube, uh, we, uh, said, uh, we found uh, uh, a legal machine to print money. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's, in, it's it's incredible for me that you've had this much success and you're still so incredibly humble. You talk about this, this company as if it's just another company. You started one of the biggest cosmetics companies in the world, I would, I would, I would argue. And you sit here and you tell it like it's, oh, it's just another, it's just a thing. And you know what the most beautiful thing about this is, is that you, your, your fearlessness but also your kindness to other people because they would never have said yes if you weren't a good authentic human. And I think that speaks so much into what we as millennials need to understand is that it's all about relationships at the end of the day because you would never have been able to approach your Han or Mr. Dube or any of them had you not had that relationship and worked on that relationship over the, the months or the years that you'd known them or known his wife who said nice things mm. about you. So you, it's, it's always how you treat the last person that you see that could be the deciding factor in your future and it's incredible to hear it like that well i think you know one of the lessons from my father and in fact i, I said this on sunday uh, during the uh, one year celebration of uh, of action i say we tend one as a as a political party and i said my to grandfather taught me one thing he says listen to people but ultimately judge them not what they say what they do <laughs> And it says, uh, if someone double crosses you, someone says something to you and they're going to do something different, don't give them a second chance. And uh, please, you don't do this to the next person. If that's how, let's see if this is what I'm asking you to do, that means you cannot do it this to the next person. Yeah. That is why people have always regarded I me mean, if you can talk to anyone i grew up with including my uh this my other sister come after connie uh, my wife is calling my sister is also connie the one i come after we grew up together we loved dearly loved each other but used to beat me up when uh, sometimes <laughs> we, 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 we did not we, when we differed on issues used to think that i'm a stubborn person <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so and, and, and I think if people have grown up and they take me to be a stubborn person because um, I'm not the kind of person that uh, would uh, lie to, to to someone else. It's it's yeah. in my nature. It's in my DNA, and and I will not take kindly to anyone who lies to me. I don't I don't give you you know. People think I'm I'm brutal. Uh, I've been an employer, I've been whatever. Uh, ran the city of Johannesburg. I used to call them snakes, uh, this ANC caters. You know, and I'll tell them about what I do with snakes. I said, I was born and raised in a, in, in a village. 
in a village when we see a snake when people kill it they don't just kill it they burn it yeah. because this is the snake the snake will wake up so i used to give them an example this anc caters who were trying who were doing everything possible to sabotage me i said guys i teach i catch you uh tend to double cross me or sabotage me i don't just kill you i ban you <laughs> because uh, i don't want the risk of uh, i don't i don't have, i can't take a chance of you waking up yeah and and that's my life and because i know i won't do it to the next person and i don't want someone to do it to me as well and that's that's what my father taught me i'll never take advantage of the next person take uh, someone who's vulnerable to say to you here it's 1 plus 1 is to knowing that you are vulnerable you'll believe me in the meantime i want three i will never take advantage I'm, i confront issues directly uh, if if you don't like it that's fine that's fine with me uh, but i will never really mislead uh, that anyone but please don't mislead me as well as when then you'll see my brutality how did you 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 spoke about action essay so you have this business you've created this incredible company that's gone massive huge 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 you must be living what we as millennials like to say your best life the cars the money the lifestyle and then you decide politics of all the things you could have chosen mr mashaba why and how did you land up in politics i think you know for me uh Honestly and truly I believe I've always been a politically conscious person but I never thought I would participate directly in politics even when I left university angry wanting to go for for military training was to to try and find a solution to this apartheid government because I felt the only way we can collapse this government is through violent means because we tried everything possible through negotiation but it wasn't really working I mean I mean results driven kind of person you know so when i left the university i wanted to go and uh, and um, and uh, get the training and come back i'll probably have been arrested and killed uh, by the party because i was not going to be prepared to to, uh, to, to stay behind uh, like most anc people did and uh, fortunately enough because i'm a god loving and fearing person god has always uh, determined my destiny um because to leave uh, the country those days um you needed to have very good contacts to get you out of the country god said no you're not going to leave and i look at it in reflection you can imagine if i had contact with nc people in in exile jacob zumas i'll probably be either a very corrupt minister <laughs> because that's what they taught them <laughs> the way it looks like the way teaching them or they would have killed me because they killed a lot of um the youth who left in 1976 and after who were questioning uh, what uh, what what they were doing so god decided uh, no you can't that's how i got in, involved in business and i was lucky i um, i succeeded with uh, with my wife uh, and my partners and then voted for Nelson Mandela in 1999 voted for uh, sorry 1994 voted for Thabo uh, Mbeki in 1999 but then during second year of Jacob uh, sorry of Thabo Mbeki that's when I really started realizing but no 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 this is is not really what I grew up thinking that the way and um looking at uh, the um here's a country with a 
infrastructure backlog. The, the first uh, thing that they invest in is uh, procurement. And you know what happens with the arms deal. While we're busy with the arms deal, here are the people who are there to support uh, Robert Mugabe. You know, the, the vicious uh, evil men called Robert Mugabe and Zanupia, they start supporting such people. And I said, no, man, something is not wrong. Right here. One thing for sure is that, you know, the, my family and I, in from the 90s, we grew our business by making sure that we get involved in community projects. Mm. We, the little money that we made, we never left the people around. Unlike uh, Clever Blacks, unlike the ANC that, you know, I, you know, we, I don't know how many um, black uh, youth we uh, took to university today who are doctors, lawyers, everything. We had a department that uh, we used to process applications every year, put aside the millions to take um, uh, the people to schools. We used to assist uh, in whatever way that we could. So we've always been a socially conscious uh, that, that family. Yeah. And um, obviously, well, after realizing that the ANC is not what I, uh, our, uh, I was looking for or what I thought they were, that's when I started voting for the for the for the DA because I thought I shared the same values with them, including actually when Jacob Zuma was elected for the second time in 2014, I decided to take a conscious decision. Uh, to join the DA, to take a membership of a political party for the first time in my life. Wow. Uh, I took uh, the, the DA membership and um, made noise about it. I was all over the papers, uh, the prominent black businessmen taking membership of the DA. And uh, why I did that, I wanted to send a message to the youth, particularly black youth, to say, please, guys, let's not vote for political parties because people look like us. Let's vote for political parties for what they stand for. This ANC doesn't stand for our values as South Africans. They stand for something else. They stand for corruption and thuggery. So you you can't vote for those people. There's no Nelson Mandela any longer. We, we, it's a criminal organization. Uh, the effect, uh, if you can do your stay, uh, when you get a chance, go into YouTube, look at uh, the video I did. Uh, um, it's called Why I Joined DA. I did a uh, three minutes video. And with no intention of ever going into business, was just to save South Africa so that I uh, knew the youth are the ones who are going to save this country. Yeah. And uh, late 2015, when the DA first approached me to be the mayoral candidate for Johannesburg, I thought, my goodness, what the hell is this now, you know? Uh, <laughs> what have I got to do with direct politics? I mean, a capitalist of uh, uh, just a few, few years earlier um, wrote a book called Capitalist Crusade. I said, what does what uh, capitalist like myself have to do with direct uh, politics? But then the firing of Nene, the late 2015, that's when I said, no. I said to my family, you know what? We've got two options. It's either uh, uh, you allow me to use my privilege and our family's privilege that uh, I enter the political field or we leave this country. Wow. And uh, luckily my family said, no, we like the first option. We love this country. And um, everything else is history. Then 2016, started campaigning as a mayoral candidate. Had no knowledge whatsoever of uh, 
uh, what, I, what I was doing, but I knew what I was doing, but to other people, more especially the media, I was the biggest joke because they thought, what the hell is this man uh, doing? And you ended up with a deep, uh, massive growth. Uh, we had 38%. I was going for, uh, for 50 plus one. I want, you know, to my grandfather taught me everything that I do, I must do it to win. Like yeah. right now with S Action SA, I'm not, I'm not doing this job to be in opposition. No, it's, uh, I'm, I'll be wasting my time. I'm in this job uh, to take over government uh, and uh, change the lives of South Africans because I can't change the lives of South Africans as, as an opposition. I'm not looking for a job. The job as a councillor, uh, you know, it does not even won't last me a day. I mean, it's a, I'm not looking for a job <laughs> or to be a councillor. I want to really be in government so that I can put together a team of committed, capable South Africans of all colours, creed, to, to, to serve the nation and make sure that uh, we can deal with this inequality, to deal with this racial division that ANC has, has created. We, uh, are you aware we are more divided today than we were uh, before 1994? We are more unequal today than uh, we were in, in 1994. I mean, these are things that uh, are unacceptable. You can imagine uh, the HFL vote uh, the time, ANC did a better job than HFL vote. In all indices, the education with the meta capital, with the red capital. No, man, you know, it's, it's, it honestly, it makes me angry. People sometimes don't understand why I'm up here most of the time angry. And, and I am angry, honestly, and, I, and I'm not prepared to hide it. I'm not going to play a political game that uh, things are normal. Things are very, very far from being normal. Just uh, let me give you why example of what sometimes I'm, I'm angry. You heard last week, 23,000 children of the age of 10 to 14, yes, left school in Houting alone because of pregnancy. pregnancy. Yes. I mean, how can, how can you not get angry? And then this uh, government, for them, no, it's normal. We should really be hunting down uh, the, those men who raped those children. Yeah. These are not women. These are these are children. How can you expect uh, the, the twelve for uh, it's, it's statutory rape? You can't tell me a ten-year-old uh, child uh, um, fell in love. No, I, I mean these are things that you know. Honestly, a normal human being with, with a conscience and God-fearing will get angry. It's not something to really laugh about. We uh, known as a country to be the capital, uh, rape capital of the world. Can imagine be my daughter, my wife, or my neighbor gets raped. I mean, every time a, a woman gets raped in this country, I feel you know what? As if I have my chance, I would, uh, you'll never get a second chance. Yeah. yeah, I'm telling you. That's why I'm a strong believer in the death penalty for 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 rape and and uh, and the first degree murder people who killed uh, this uh, this uh, whistleblower in, in Johannesburg <laughs> i can tell you if if i have my way through the constitution i'll put them away i'll never give them a second chance to go and murder someone else i'll never give a man to go and rape another woman and I, and i'm not prepared to take the nonsense of uh, people who are telling me that um the death penalty is not a, 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 a deterrent. Tell me if someone rapes you today, they go to jail and then two years later they come back and rape again. 
Absolutely. And you tell uh, you tell me if I if I if I had put this man to bed, they would not have given a chance uh, to uh, to rape again. So I don't understand what scientific basis that they run that. Uh, uh, the, the death penalty is not a deterrent because uh, if if someone planned to come and murder someone like they did with uh, with this whistleblower and the uh, the Houghton Health Department, if we put those people away, they'll never get a chance to kill again. Yeah. This is uh, first de- first degree murder. But obviously, I, I believe in the rule of law. I can tell you, if one day action essay will be given the mandate to can change this constitution, the death penalty will be one of the, the issues that are bring back. So that uh, people must understand, you kill someone, you plan to kill someone, you go and rape the woman and destroy their lives under him and Mashab, you'll, ne- you'll not get a second chance to rape again. You know, Mr. Mashaba, yesterday we, we recently celebrated Women's Month and yesterday I was reading through some articles that people had sent me to celebrate the last day of Women's Month. And one of the Instagram pages that I followed put out a question. If men had curfew for the 31st of September, at uh, 31st of August, for the whole day, what would you do as a woman? And the answers absolutely shocked me because I don't think we as women in this country understand the, the way that we live, right? We're living in, in almost like a war zone I'd compare it to that because the world Where's was- the war zone? No, countries, you know, the, the, the murders committed in this country, countries at war, don't, uh, roughly 60 people get murdered every day in this country. Day. Yeah. She said, oh, don't go to Rudos. So these women were saying things that even I myself would love to do. One woman said, I'd like to go to the garage and buy an ice cream and go sit on the beach. Another woman said, I'd like to go to the mall and not carry my keys in my hand. Another woman said, I'd like to go have coffee by myself in a restaurant. And these are human rights. These are freedoms that in this country, women feel like they don't have. And you highlighting this for me and that yesterday, I just, I feel like we need to, it it has to be an education to men because men rape women. Women don't go out to be raped. As Action SA and as Herman Mashaba, other than obviously massive penalties for people that do it, what is the game plan for, for changing the education or the way that men think about women and see women maybe well uh, for as long as uh, we are prepared uh, to be governed by this uh, evil criminal organization called the ANC uh, things can only get worse i think uh, honestly i think let's let's not play uh, political games i think let's face uh, the, the elephant in the room the elephant in the room is the ANC who have allowed this during the dark days of this country's history uh, my wife and i will go and party honestly three four kilometers away from home where after the party one o'clock at night the two of us will walk home <laughs> honestly i've never times. done that in my life <laughs> wow. because we had no cars and we, honestly to ask any anyone of my age how we uh, will walk uh, I work with my my wife can tell you. Uh, we will walk uh, from a party after having a party three four kilometers away from home. Today, in in this country, I don't really feel safe coming from a a, a party in my car. <laughs> in my, I don't feel safe. No. In 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 my car. 
So I think we we have to really deal uh, with with uh, with this uh, ANC matter. We need to invest in the education. We need to in uh, uh, get the private sector to employ our people because when people are employed, they've got education that employed, they've got the dignity. Now, what has ANC done? They destroyed uh, the dignity of a black person. They created. Uh, uh, the stereotype and this narrative to black people that uh, black people are victims, uh, they are slaves, uh, that uh, without ANC, they can't think for themselves, they can't do anything for themselves. They've opened our borders uh, for international uh, uh, drug syndicates, bringing very dangerous drugs to destroy them. So you find now, you're going to lots of communities, all these murderers and rapists, they they're just lifing. They don't have any meaning in life. They don't feel anything. They don't have the conscience any longer. So they don't fear God. I went, when I grew up, um, every morning when we go to school, before we, uh, we start school, we'll go to assembly and pray. Every Sunday, we'll go to church. And is all is against all this. At our schools, we had... Um, uh, the lots of uh, the, the sporting, be football or basketball. We had choirs. You know, we had the, 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 we used to be taught the agriculture and so forth. Those things are today. Eighty percent of public schools in the in the black communities are dysfunctional. Seventy-five percent of uh, black youth in this country just last week. Uh, 74% of black youth in this country are unemployed. Unacceptable. 45% of, of South Africans are unemployed. When I grew up, you know, when I grew up uh, in this country before apartheid, people who did not work were those who did not want to work. People had the dignity of work because work is not just about obviously being paid every month, it's the dignity. That's why I respected my my mother. That's why I respected my sisters because they'll wake up um, every Monday morning. Go to, after obviously when they started working, they go to work Friday. The little that they've earned, you know. That's why I respected them. Today, um, went to a lot of the uh, in uh, this uh, 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 RDP houses, poorly built RDP right. houses that co that collapses in six months. Uh, parents. There are kids uh, today who are 27 years old, uh, like uh, the New South Africa. They've never seen any of their parents waking up to go to work. Now tell me, what kind of society? Uh, hmm? What kind of society are you uh, creating? That is why, it, uh, um, yeah, children will uh, will, do a, will fall pregnant at the age of 10 and show no respect for their parents. Because when the parents question them, says, no, but this is not your house. You've never provided for me. Mm. Mm. And, and this, this is the kind of South Africa that the ANC wants to create. They are, and they're determined to create it. It's you not have, a incident. You have a massive, massive job ahead of you, Mr. Mashaba. And I've got to ask you, how do you not take this home with you? Because I think I would find it, any human must find it very difficult to go home and just be home with your family? Yeah, well, uh, uh, let me tell you something. Uh, you know, from the time when I worked for the city of Johannesburg, when I took over as the mayor running a seven-way multi-party uh, coalition with the DA, most difficult partner, 
um, because they did not believe uh, in my proper policies. Uh, the DA felt uh, that uh, these people who are unemployed, uh, who did not vote for them, why must we provide services to them? And, and I was used to, I mean, I, I, I couldn't believe. And, and every time when I go into their meetings with the, with the leadership of the DA, I ask for protection to say, I've got a problem with some of my caucus uh, the members. What kind of people are this? They're insulting me. And unfortunately, actually, the, the DA decided uh, to, in fact, um, connive with the ANC to remove me because they thought um, this is the man who doesn't listen. <laughs> we are telling him to go and cut grass in Senton and Morningside. He wants to give toilets um, to people who don't pay taxes. That's a, that's a DA for you. <laughs> and uh, and when I realized this, and um, I said, I'm out of here. When they started now talking to the ANC to remove me, fortunately enough, I wasn't born yesterday. When I learned of the secret meetings between the, the DA and the ANC to remove me, uh, that's when I said, no, no, I'm working with dangerous people. And my grandfather's wisdom came back and says, Herman, <laughs> when you deal with a snake, don't give it a, take a second chance. That's that's why I left, uh, and it was a very painful, difficult decision to to do, uh, to leave uh, comp no, uh, uh, before completing my term. And how do I explain it to South Africans and people of Johannesburg uh, to as to why I'm I'm leaving? Some people living up to today they don't uh, believe me because DA tells them something else. But fortunately, a white. Um, Chief of Staff Michael Brument has written a book, Accidental Mayor, uh, captured everything there. Uh, and up to now, the DA has never contested what Michael has written. Uh, uh, about how DA, um, actually, I think uh, for me, DA in terms of uh, race relations, uh, uh, for me, they're the same as the EFF in terms of polarization of our nation, which is very, very dangerous because what, for you as a white person, that person in the in, in living in plastic view, remember when I told you about uh, that community where people live without toilets yes. and then the DA, and the DA says, no, they're not our constituency. <laughs> and then, so now what happens? People are then going to say, then you're giving the ammunition to the ANC yes. and the EFF to say, no, this, the, you know, why you live in plastic shacks is because of uh, this wise, they don't want to share. And I'm telling you, it's not a true reflection because when I was the mayor of the city of Johannesburg, residents of Senton, of whatever, everywhere, every time I'll have those complaints from the DA, I'll call a public meeting of just a strictly white people, full, old, and I'll tell them about my plans for the city and, and how we've got to give dignity to poor people. I'll get a standing ovation. And I used to, and then I'll go back to the DS and tell me, who do you represent? Because uh, here the people are saying, Mashaba, um, please go and give our fellow residents the dignity. Mr. Mashaba, we're, we're running out of time and I have a big question, but you, you're not allowed to shout at me for this, what I'm about <laughs> to say. You're not allowed to shout at me because my mother shouted at me. I am one of the elder millennial generation that have never voted in my entire life. Now I know, I know what you can, I know what you can say already. Sandy has shouted at me already. 
But I feel like speaking on behalf of us older millennials, and I don't speak for all of us, but the, my friend group, right? We don't feel like our vote counts because every election comes and every election goes and the same party is in power and the same party is in power. And there is this this narrative that they are never going to leave, that it's going to take 20 years, 10 years for them to leave. And what does one vote count anyway? Like what difference does it make? So I, I'm, I'm, I am admitting to you that I haven't. I did tell you that I did make you a promise that I would this time. So I am going to vote and register. And uh, I won't tell you where my vote's going because I'm not allowed to, but you, I feel like you know. Um, but does my vote count? What, what is your message to people like me who have never? Why should we? Why does it matter? Okay. You know what, uh, what you, you just told me and what you did? You put this evil criminal organization called the ANC into power. You're, um, you're um, refusing or abdicating your responsibility, mm. your constitutional responsibility. You actually voted for the ANC. Let me tell you why. We've got 36 million eligible voters in this country. Yeah. In 2019, 17.6 million people went to vote. Of the 17.6 million people who voted, only 10 million voted for the ANC from 12 million. Okay. Okay. So, and the other the, the, the 7.3 went to all the other smaller, all the other parties, the DA and others. The 18.3 million people including you, your votes went to the ANC. The ANC is in power. The ANC is in power because of uh, someone like you. And now the challenge that you and I have got is to say, how do we get the millennium like you to realize that that, uh, you are the future of your country? Because to get to 18.3 million, it's not 18.3 million, it's one vote. Okay. One vote will get you 18 million. So you can imagine if uh, half of uh, those people had voted, what uh, would have happened? Because if half of the people had voted, would not be having ANC into power today. Really? Really, really, no. really? It, no, even to, even 25% of the 18.3 million, if they had voted, where ANC would be under 50%. ANC would be out uh, out of government in, 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 in Houghton. So you actually directly, not indirectly, you directly voted for the ANC. Um, those who are of a voting age who did not vote, voted for the ANC. The numbers are there. Not for me, uh, please, they are on, on, um, um, uh, on uh, IEC website. Because if you don't really vote, Majority party takes uh, um, the, the votes of uh, all those who did not vote. <laughs> so for you not to have voted, basically, you are responsible to really putting your life, my life uh, into to, into a risk because we've got a government that can get people to murder us. You can get a government that, that would allow women to be raped and uh, continue with attackery. So. I think I would really appeal to you to use your influence mm-hmm. to talk to everyone around you, get them to understand the power of voting. Look at the United States last year when Biden was voted into power. 
for the, the they had all time record uh, voting. Yes. You know what? Why? You know why? Because Americans were not happy the last four years of uh, with uh, Trump. With Trump. They had, yes. They had issues. They had issues. But what they did, the the country, which is there, the most educated, the wealthiest nation by far, and everything. What they do when they have problems like this, they don't leave uh, their future to politicians. They go out there and decide who, who governs them. A country like South Africa, with all our problems I've indicated to you, people say, no, let ANC continue voting. Because for you not to exercise your democratic right, you are saying, no, let these criminals continue governing us. That's a fact. I've never heard it that way. And you have made more sense to me in the last minute that you've spoken than anyone has. Thank you, Mr. Mashaba. I, I will be voting. I will, I will, I told you I'll be voting. No. And and uh, let me tell you something, and because that's something that the ANC used uh, their 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 propaganda, they which they, they learned from uh, the Soviet Union, to tell you that your vote is a secret. Why should your vote become a secret? Uh, why should your your vote become a secret? Uh, it is to silence you, is to really make you not important, is to not hold politicians accountable. When your vote is an open uh, thing, that's when politicians will respect you because they know, Herman Mashaba, I won't vote for you because of the following. I'll yeah. vote for so-and-so for the following reason. But whoever I vote for, I will hold accountable. In in developed economies, people don't say your vote. So for votes are not a secret. Go to England, go to the United States. I've, I've got friends for over many years in the United States, uh, whatever. Their votes are not secret. I know to, no, I've, I've got family. Openly, they are Democrats. Yes. They, are, they, are, they, are, they are Republicans. Yes. And they hold, they hold their politicians accountable. Yes. If they don't deliver, they know we're going to remove you. But what happens is you're now a victim of uh, uh, Soviet Union type propaganda to say your vote is a secret. No, your vote should not be. You must be a, a proud voter of a particular party. But that party should not think that uh, they've got a, a blank check. You'll hold them accountable. The day when when you don't want to see them any longer, you chase them out of your house like people of Soweto are doing today. The majority of, majority of people in Soweto today, they don't allow ANC in their homes. Mm. They fail them. Says, no, they get out of my yard. I don't want to really see you. Because uh, you deceived them, uh, you, uh, you misled us, uh, you abused us uh, for a long time. And and I'm, I'm on a mission to teach South Africans that their vote should not really be a secret. Uh, and, and I'm not saying you vote for, uh, for, for action, you vote for a party of your choice, but uh, tell them, if I vote for you, this is what I expect from you. If not, you must know you won't, the next time around you won't get my vote. Once you can reach that stage of development as a society, this country will be the, one of the greatest countries in the world. Mr. Mashaba, I want to talk to you for the next hour, but you have a lot of work to do. You have a lot of work ahead of you. Tell me something. If someone watching this wants to find out more about you, wants to read your book, wants to find out about Action Essay, where is there one place that they can go to get all of this information? 
Yes, I think uh, if you look at our our website, I think ActionSA uh, website, actionsa.org.za, I think uh, on a daily basis, I communicate with South Africans, I give them updates of uh, what we all about the issues uh, that we are tackling, with, which we are tackling in, in, in this country, including the, the story of my life. If you want the story of my life, there's so much on... Um, uh, on, uh, on 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 our website and YouTube and so forth. So there's so much I've I've got now three books. One written by Michael J- uh, my, Michael Buerman, uh, the accidental mayor. I wrote my autobiography called Black Like You that gives you an insight into my life. I wrote a book called uh, Capitalist Crusader. You can buy this on you can buy these books on on online. There's a big uh, book that's coming out uh, later next year. It is going to be even bigger because then I've, I've got a team of professional researchers and so forth to, to actually capture the, this uh, history of my life and the way it is going. You are an inspiration. I don't know where you get all of this time from, but Mr. Mashaba Inspiration, please will you leave us with some Mashaba wisdoms that we can take with us into the next couple of days? Fellow South Africans, so we are facing one of the most defining elections um, in a few weeks' time or in a few months' time. Either we're going to have it on the 27th of October or uh, we might, they might change them unconstitutionally to have them early next year. These are the most important elections since 1994. If we fail to remove the NC out of power, then please, accept the consequences of South Africa being one day declared a failed state. Remember, you can catch the full video on xotv.me and you can meet us in kind of real life. Thanks to DJ Chuck for the music. You can catch him at www.chucksprosound.co.za. New episodes on Jackpot and Exotv every Monday. Love you.